When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. by no one's demand but our own. And from our home office here in the Gulch in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, it is the latest edition of the 615 Sessions presented by A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports.com. Buck Rising here with you. Thrilled to be here with you on this Wednesday. One more day until the first round of the Nashville 2019 NFL Draft is finally upon us. The city streets are flooded with the NFL contingent. Fans have begun to trickle in en masse, uh, and my commute has become just murderous because of it. But uh, we're thrilled. We're thrilled to have everybody here. If you're new to the program, we're very excited to have you clicking uh, on our stuff, not just because it's good for us, uh, but because we've got a fantastic show. We've done a fantastic show already for you uh, with the first draft pod that we had, Teron Davenport, Joe Rex Road, as well as Ryan Hurd, who gave you musical perspective. Remember, our buddy Ryan will be playing the NFL Draft Experience stage at Nissan Stadium Saturday morning. He gets things started at 9 a.m. I will be there. We will be drinking tequila in all likelihood except not really because I have a lot of work to do that day. But, uh, you know, I might stop by, might sneak a shot or two, uh, and we just won't tell my bosses. Hopefully Austin and Zach aren't listening. Anyway, loaded show for you today. Uh, and, 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 you know, I've tried to keep these pods under an hour, but the conversations have, honest to God, just been so good um, that we've we've gone a little overboard in terms of our two draft pods. But this one, I'm particularly proud of because of how good the conversations were. Travis Haney of The Athletic, one of my best friends here in Nashville, somebody who has helped me uh, a tremendous amount as I've gotten my career started here in Nashville sports media covering the Titans. Travis and I had a really, really great conversation in person. Uh, actually, I had to take the pod equipment to his house because that's the damn, apparently that's the hardest interview to get in Nashville sports media is Travis Haney. You won't hear him like this anywhere else, and I know it makes him cringe uh, when I talk about how exclusive an interview Travis Haney is, uh, but he's he was generous with his time, gave us almost 40 minutes of draft conversation. He's been traveling all over the country, gathering information on the free agents that the Titans signed and doing a little reporting on some of the players uh, who may be end up who may end up going to the Titans in the first round and doing a little more background on that. So we had an inter- we had an, a very engaging conversation on that, which is how we'll start today's pod. Then we will go to one of my Twitter foes, uh, not Joe Rexroad this time. Corey Curtis News Two WKRN is where you can find my man Corey. Uh, has been berating or just just uh, burying me in all kinds of draft prospect conversation via text. So I said, "Hey, uh, let's at least make this worth my time and and bring you on the pod, and we'll we'll debate and at length." Rashawn Evans, Titans linebacker, last year's first round pick. He stopped by uh, for a good a good fifteen minute interview that I think really you guys will really enjoy because of how how big a personality Rashawn Evans is now understated 
uh, is a word that Travis Haney uses throughout our our interview in terms of the kind of players that the Tennessee Titans like personality-wise. Uh, and Rashawn Evans, I don't know if I'd call him understated, but he's a fascinating guy. We had a lot of fun. I had to ask him a couple boring football questions off the top, but that's only because Austin and Zach would be very upset with me if I didn't. Uh, and then we played the looks-like game and made fun of some of his teammates and his head coach. Finally, we wrap up with one of my favorite NFL draft analysts, Michael Kist. If you've been listening to Tackling Music City uh, at all before we became the 615 Sessions and went over to to Z Sports, you are familiar with the work of Michael Kist. If you listen to the Midday 180, uh, he was actually their draft analyst contest winner a couple years ago, and it's how he got his start. So Michael uh, is very familiar with our Nashville sports media scene. He has been gracious with me uh, to to share some of his insight analysis uh, and prospect uh, and prospect um, work. And work that he has done to study these guys, he's he's familiar more more familiar with the Tennessee Titans than most, and he always brings it strong. Uh, but I must warn you that because we are no longer uh, restricted by the FCC, that Kist took full advantage, uh, and and the the language at the end of the pod may be a little graphic for young ears. So just. Keep that in mind that after Rashawn Evans, there is a Michael Kist interview coming in hot, uh, and it may not be uh, safe <laughs> for anyone who, uh, who, who's, who, who may be offended uh, by a little stronger language. But the, uh, the analysis and the breakdown and the conversation, as always, was exceptional. With that being said, we will get to our first interview, Travis Haney of The Athletic, We'll talk to Corey Curtis after, Rashawn Evans after that, and wrap things up with Michael Kist here on the 615 Sessions, presented by A to Z Sports. Back here on the 615 Sessions, presented by A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you, very excited, because we give you an access-driven experience here on the podcast. This is a very exclusive interview. This is a tough get in the city of Nashville. It is my dear friend, Travis Haney of The Athletic, covering the Titans for that particular outlet. Uh, How does it feel to be the hardest get in Nashville sports radio? Well, first of all, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, But second of all, I did make you come to my house to do this. You did. So... I, listen, you're making me work harder than Sean Evans was an easier get than you. I mean, honest to God, um, I did buy you lunch, so you know I it, think you're still ahead for for today. It evens out. It evens out. So we so we were having lunch and we were trying to decide, trying to you know, just just talking, brainstorming, not even, but talking amongst ourselves as we would any other day, and uh, stumbled upon the topic of what you've been doing because you've just returned from a trip recently you've had a couple great draft prep stories up on the athletic and more to come i'm sure as we get closer and closer and once things get underway and they finally pick the bastards uh but you have been doing excellent or trying to do uh excellent journalism in the efforts (laughs) to find a future titan that is sufficiently boring enough for this NFL franchise. And then you said, no, wait, we'll talk about it later because this is perfect. And so I desperately need you to expand upon this. Uh, well, it's all about fit, right? And <laughs> I think we've, we've, uh, I don't know, embellished maybe a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the Titans don't want someone to come in. And let's go back to a couple of months ago when Antonio Brown was being discussed as a possibility via trade. That seemed utterly ridiculous because of how poor of a fit 
culturally and, and all this stuff that they've tried to do. They don't like a loud left tackle. What do they want a loud wide receiver for? <laughs> Exactly. Through the draft, <laughs> through free agency. They tolerate Taylor Lewan. That, that seems to be the lens that I think you would look through to some extent for draft prospects. And I don't, I mean, you're like me, we're all throwing darts at this stuff at this point. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that make sense. And I think they've narrowed down some of their team needs via, you know, through free agency. So I think we can get close to start narrowing it down, but at the same time, this may be a new way to look at it is, okay, if I close my eyes and I, I think about this guy, can I envision him in the locker room? And I think there's certain guys that it kind of it points toward uh, not just with the first pick, but all six picks. But the requisite is to be boring. I mean, like I'm th- like you're you're so you're viewing this through the lens of okay, how would they fit in the locker room? I'm now after you've told me this, viewing this through the lens of who can bury me in as many cliches as Marcus Mariota can in a 12 minute press conference. Uh, and now I'm just thinking about whose press conferences I need to listen to to find out if they're sufficiently boring enough for the Tennessee Titans franchise. And I'm going to advocate, serve on behalf of the Titans here, and say. <laughs> The word we're going to choose, Buck, is understated. Mm. Understated. Great example. Nuance. The guy who's on this podcast today with me, Rashawn Evans. Yes. Has a personality. He's not boring, but he's still a fairly understated dude. He's not brash. He's not creating some sort of scene in the locker room. He's, he's not showing up in a, in a custom-made boss hog suit to announce his $80 million no, contract. No, <laughs> I, I, I don't see him doing that in the future. That'd be fun. Though. But at the same time, he does have a personality. It's just one that fits within the culture of what they do. He's a little bit understated to some extent. He did say have some comments during the season last year that created headlines about what position he should be playing. I think that was actually on social media. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is someone who it totally adds up that Rashawn Evans would be the pick in last year's first round. And I think you start to look at the kind of the DNA, the character of some of the possibilities for this 19 group. And you look for how that fits into what they've tried to build over the last, what, three, four years since Robinson's been here. Four years. Yeah. And it, it seems crazy to think about that. He is, he, this is, you know, this is his team in, in, in entirety almost now guys like Arakpo and Derek Morgan have moved on. I mean, Brett Kern is the longest tenured Titan. And of course, Rustin Webster drafted Mariota and Taylor Lewan and other players that still remain. But this is, this is a team in John Robinson's making. And I was talking to Joe Rexroad, uh, the Lego haired columnist for the, the Tennessee and <laughs> He, he hates when I do that. <laughs> but it's true. It looks like somebody's just popped his hair on, and it doesn't move. It hasn't moved in the four years that I've known him. But uh, we were talking about Christian Wilkins, and Christian Wilkins at number 19 overall. And he is, of course, the defensive tackle out of Clemson. He is a very disruptive interior defensive lineman. He is a high-character very intelligent and I told Joe yesterday I go that's a John Robinson wet dream that player <laughs> Christian Wilkins uh, for everything that they that they preach about culture and, and see he's not boring no he's not boring at all yeah but that's what I'm saying so you're you're telling me I need to look for understated Christian Wilkins I don't think is understated in the least no, I think I, he would be a dream fit here. I would move him a little bit toward yeah the other end of that yeah. I don't think he's quite Ed Oliver or Chase Winovich or any of those guys. I think those guys maybe have bigger personalities, but you know, I talked to to Dabo Sweeney a couple weeks right. ago uh, about all those guys, and the story that he relayed to me was Wilkins basically tried to play a trick on him when he uh, was recruiting him. Um, Wilkins called Dabo and basically was telling him, 
really appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks for everything you did for me. Kind of giving him the breakup speech. And then all of a sudden he says, so that's why I'm going to Clemson. And yeah. Dabo's just, yeah, rolls his eyes and Wilkins <laughs> is dying laughing about it. So I think he's just sort of a kind of a class clown guy. Sure. I think this is the vibe that I got. Um, but any of those guys, Lawrence, Farrell, or Wilkins, uh, not surprisingly that Dabo was effusive in praising them for what they'd done. And I don't think I've ever seen Dabo say a negative comment about No, I mean, if he had one, he just wouldn't say it. Right. But he said that these are three locker room changers, I think was the exact phrase that he used. And I don't think you have to worry about any character concerns or anything like that. And I thought of the of the few things that came out of, of Monday's pre-draft news conference, Buck. Um, <laughs> did you get a lot out of that? Well, I, I thought one thing that did come out of it was the idea of did Kevin Dodd, did that pick somehow sully how the Titans look at Clemson defensive front players? And I think that's a fair question. I don't think it should. Well, people – Robinson's well, answer was – each player is evaluated independently, individually, and, and that's totally right. But my question is, if they go back to the same people, the same equipment manager, the same assistant coach, the same whatever, janitor in the building and say, what kind of guy is Christian Wilkins? And he's saying the same things that he said about Kevin Dodd three years ago. Yeah. Do you have to look at that a little bit differently? Is that do you have to do more research because of that? So I think it it might change a little bit in terms of how those recommendations or evaluations are made. But yeah, I mean it's going to come down to film and and what the individual attributes are of that player. And I don't think they're gonna they're not gonna cross off a Clemson defender because it didn't work out a couple oh, of years Travis, ago with I Kevin mean, Dodd. I'm sure these people are in your Twitter mentions too. There are there are, it's it's probably a loud minority, but there are people who legitimately don't want them anywhere near the Clemson defensive lineman because of what happened with Kevin Dodd. And by the way, we still don't know what happened with Kevin Dodd. Kevin yeah, really. Dodd just kind of vanished off the face of the earth. Well, and the one thing that I've said about Dodd, and, and most people have noticed this, is that he blew up in that redshirt junior year. So he went from zero career sacks to 12 and a half right. in his redshirt junior year. He had 20 total tackles, Buck, in his first three seasons, and then had 62 his fourth year, his redshirt junior year. Yeah, the, and the whole conversation around it was how much better he had become once he got extended playing time, when in reality, this was just kind of a flash, flash in the, the pan. pan. Yeah. So I think that maybe is the takeaway here, is not just a Clemson thing, but I think there's a, a defensive lineman at Ohio State, Jermont uh, Jones, who yes. has very similar type numbers. He had a really good junior year that elevated him, I think, in a similar way that would – if I'm the Titans, I'm looking at that and going, hmm, we should really take a pause and and maybe people around him make you feel better about that. Maybe it's not a repeat of Dodd. But I would look at that a lot more than I would, oh, well, this guy went to Clemson too, so therefore all Clemson defenders are bad. Let's talk about the guys in the league from Clemson playing in defensive front – or, or outside linebacker positions who are really, really good. Grady Jarrett just got a franchise tag from Atlanta, $15 million a year. He's damn good. Yep. Vic Beasley played on that same line, played with the Falcons as well. DJ Reader, Shaq Lawson, you go on and on. I mean, they've had success. The, the Kevin Dodd is an outlier for the Clemson uh, defensive group. It's He's an outlier for Robinson's draft uh, 23 draft picks in three seasons. They, he hasn't had one that's been like that. No. 
Well, I mean, I, there are very few people who have one that's been like that. That's a that's about as strange a situation as I've ever seen. Um, I mean, the DGB wasn't all that different. I well, mean, different situation. But yeah. in terms of early picks, just totally bombing. Mm. Robinson hasn't had anything like that. Clemson really hasn't had a whole lot of those either. I mean, most of their players, regardless of position, have gone on to be at least moderately successful in the NFL. He's just, I, I, like I said, I think he's just sort of the aberration. And he is the aberration, uh, but without question, I think. And especially when you watch these guys on film, the guys that are coming out now, uh, the four there's four of them, the Clemson defensive linemen. I can't remember the name of the, of the later round draft pick that people are projecting interior defensive lineman as Kit sits here and growls at us, wanting us to play fetch. That's Travis's yes. dog. My dog would like to play fetch. <laughs> very aggressively we hell we can play fetch on the podcast theater of the mind but i look at i look at the contract that frank clark we're taping this on tuesday frank clark just got traded from the seattle seahawks to the kansas city chiefs the chiefs then signed him to a five-year 105.5 million dollar contract 63.5 million guaranteed that's greater the than DeMarcus chiefs are on Lawrence. the scene they're trying to figure out what have you been doing in this offseason 100 mm-hmm. percent with Justin Houston, D. Ford, signing Matthew. I mean, it's just, I, are they better? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but it the, seems like to go from what they had to Frank Clark and pay him that is, it doesn't add up. No. It feels like a desperation move because you didn't really have anything else. And for Seattle, I mean, I think they got a first rounder and a second rounder, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that's good for them nice move for Schneider but see I look I look at what the Chiefs are doing and and I think people underrate how often NFL teams don't actually know what they're doing and they're throwing money at a position of need because they know they have a desperate need even yeah. though they just ship some guy off to Seattle or uh, San Francisco in D Ford who was not the same kind of player Frank Clark is much more durable uh, I think he's a much more violent at the point of attack player but you can you can parse those things any way you like I'm looking at this iffy choice of words given Clark's uh, oh, history but bad job Adam <laughs> the one and to relate this more to the AFC South the team that and we haven't had a chance to talk about this the team that I can't figure out what the hell they're doing is the Texans sure and they sat on 50 something million dollars in cap room they let the Titans come in and sign Roger Saffold when that's someone that they could certainly use they bring they didn't do anything at all they to address the offense bring in a reject from Carolina. Carolina's paying Khalil $19 million not to play football. And then Houston signed them. So they they have to do something in the draft to try and fix the offensive line. That's not where you want to be. And and for the Titans, they answered things already in a way that certainly Houston didn't. But I think if you're a Titans fan, you have to be pretty happy that you enter this draft in a different position than you were in back in February. But see, and I and I go back to the Frank Clark thing just because I think it is so important that you get one of these guys at value. I think the Frank Clark contract emphasizes the fact that you need to address the edge rusher or interior defensive line position because of what these guys are going to go for. That's fair. And I, I can't help but think that so few of them are going to be available at 19 based and we have no idea the, the way that the draft orders you think break. though i mean the, i think the depth of that position suggests even the second and third round guys in, in a lot of the simulations that i ran and i'm an idiot and did a hundred mock simulations yeah but you're my idiot i still love you um I, I think it's fairly deep i think you 
I think you do have quality options in rounds two and three if you wind up going with a, a Bradbury in round one, or you do go with Christian Wilkins and, and try and bolster uh, the front beside Casey. I think there's there's edge options. I agree with you. It's a total. It's it's the probably the biggest position for money outside of quarterback right now in the league, but. I think this draft suggests that you could probably get someone who you could plug in and play in the second, third round. I mean, look, look at the guy who's in rotation right now, Sharif Finch. Yeah. Who I mean, that's a great find. And they it looks it, like they got him undrafted free agent from Temple. It looks like he's gonna be somebody who's gonna stick uh for a while and maybe develop into one of those ro- rotational players. I mean, hell, he could develop into a starter with some of the He's the a more developed pass rusher than Kamala Correa, and they added to give up draft capital to go get that guy. Yeah, no doubt. But I totally agree with your point. I mean, you have to hit on some of these draft picks to save yourself money down the line. And you bring up Correa. I think Correa was John Robinson trying to make up for the Dodd miss. Right, and it felt like a makeup. It was worth a shot. I think they got some value out of him. He's still here. I mean, he he has some value in rotation. He's a body that you don't feel terrible putting out there. So I think they're getting a lot more. For a six-round pick at the time, I, th- I think that's, that's the kind of move that makes sense. But... At the same time, you're exactly right. I mean, you you have to pay Cameron Wake what you do, and you hope you can get something out of him. Cam Wake's 37, getting paid, he, he got a 21 million dollar contract, and you can damn my age. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I can't. I mean, I can't even chase my dog around, and Cam Wake's going to be chasing NFL quarterbacks yeah, around. A little, little physical, better condition, Cam Wake than, than you or I. <laughs> Slightly. But this is entirely too much serious football talk. Wow, what are we doing? I know. I, this, this is a mistake by me. I went, down, I went down an actual draft conversation road that I didn't want to go to. Because what I want to do is I want to make fun of the draft. Because you like the draft. We were I, just talking I about very this much at like lunch. The draft, yeah. This is something that, that, is, that is, you were saying, is, all, if not comparable to the experience of watching an NFL game. Uh, but it, it's close for you in terms of that. I'm somebody who views the draft as totally ridiculous. This is something that is a combination uh, of a livestock uh, show <laughs> and a beauty pageant for me. And I have but that's my more own. the combine, huh? That's more the combine. Uh, it's the, the well, the combine is or the draft is the combine with much much more frills as we're seeing on lower broad. But it actually means something. I mean, these guys are going to be on NFL rosters. But no, the combine doesn't. The draft does. Yes, um, but. I, I don't know. I have I have my whole I have my biases about the draft and things like you know like the Ryan Shazier to not to, not to make this any kind of serious but like Ryan Shazier being trotted out last year to make the pick for the Steelers. That's a little much. Everybody's celebrating the fact that I'm Ryan not talking Shazier about could barely the... walk and they're literally trotting him out there yeah. to make the pick whose body he's going to or whose body is going to replace his who's been broken by the draft. I'm know, not into the drafts spectacle necessarily i'm not into the television program that is the draft or what that's evolved to become i appreciate that it's here in town we'll see if we haven't all just clawed our eyeballs out by the end of the week with what's going to happen in our city i'm just going to need more gatorade and advil yeah um i you know but the draft itself of these college players, you know, I covered college football for 15 years. That was my background. The transition. Way to age yourself. The, the bridge from the college game to the NFL and seeing where these guys are going to wind up. I enjoy that. I, I have always watched the draft religiously, like all three days, but not God, that's sick. Not in the entertainment sense. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't get into that. I think it's, it's probably the same things. I, I mean, I know you are a vocal uh, hater of fantasy football it's sort of the same thing it's like the i really i enjoy the draft in fantasy football 
almost more than the actual games or the season itself because it's just your chance to have a a say in how the roster is constructed and that's why we all do these mock drafts and yeah it's ridiculous and I'm over the draft season quote unquote that lasts for four months or five months or however long oh it goes God. I mean that's exhausting uh, I'm a part of it you know I'm, I'm writing this content too oh, sure no we are a part of the draft content machine without question but I enjoy theorizing who's going to wind up where and why and none of us are going to be exactly right maybe we get a pick right here or there but you you do even for someone when I didn't cover the Titans I would have been totally into this right. you know what I mean no, so because of your like you said your background covering college football you are somebody who is interested whose career has been telling stories you have seen these stories develop but even for a general fan sure. I think there's like this this quality about roster construction or playing home GM via fantasy football or watching the draft that I think a lot of people are really into. I know you're not, but I think a lot of people, I I think a lot of people love this stuff and the home, the ability to kind of create your own mock draft at home, uh, through the the draft network the draft network uh, mock simulation machine or, or I think there's another couple of, of websites that have done it as well oh I'm certain that's cool like as eight year old me that would be drawn you know they're, oh hell I'm doing them. I and I hate mock drafts <laughs> honest to god no I, I had Trevor Sikama on, on the old podcast uh, before we switched over to A to Z Sports and I was like Trev man I have literally done 10 of these things in the last 24 hours this is disgusting you guys have found draft draft fan heroin you have literally tapped yeah. the vein and it does help you learn. Yeah, I mean, you does. understand the possibilities a lot better after, certainly after me running a hundred of those simulations, I have a pretty good feel for who might go where, what makes sense for the Titans. Yeah. Something that I do not have a good feel for, and it's something that I just talked to Rashawn Evans about, not not really with the intention of making it a Marcus Mariota-centric conversation, but these things always end up. I was really hoping this was going to be about Vrabel's mustache, but... We could talk about Vrabel's mustache. (laughs) Sounds like a much more interesting conversation. I'm still scared to tell him he looks like a retired porn star to his face, but I'll say it on a microphone. Well, maybe he'll hear that at some point. <laughs> you think you think Mike Vrabel is a is a subscriber to the six one five sessions? If he's not, he's missing out. It's true. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, no, Rashawn Evans is somebody who has great personality. Rashawn Evans is somebody who the Titans need to have a more to have make to make a more uh, concerted effort to get in front of fans, to let fans be able to connect with him on a human level and to create a a better attachment for a fan base that I think apathetic is not unfair. I think that I'm pretty hard on Titans fans in terms of the attendance at games, and I know that this has been a miserable franchise for quite some time, and the losing will wear on anybody, as it does any franchise. Well, I think the people who are, are fans are passionate. Yes. But the number of those fans and growing that fan base and having stability within the fan base where they're not fair weather, they're not just pulling for a team that wins, they're, they're there win or lose. I think that's kind of the gap. Right. It's almost like a niche audience in the way that – most places would view kind of hockey right that's for whatever reason whether it's because it's smaller market a relatively new team the people i mean we interact with these folks all the time the fans who follow the titans the one the people who are in london with us sure they love the hell out of the titans they're all about it and i i respect those people i appreciate them i know you do I just don't think there's as many of them as we would hope. And how do you grow that? I think that's what you're getting. At. You 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 put 
personalities out front like Kevin Byard, like Jayon Brown, like Rashawn Evans, guys who guys who have not who have not had the opportunity or who are just coming into their own uh, to where they can to where they can create those emotional attachments and create new fans as there are continuous amounts of transplants that flood our city. But Marcus Mariota is somebody who you and I were joking about uh, before we started this, and this was actually the jumping jumping off point for us starting the podcast, is laughing at the idea of Marcus Mariota not doing fan events, but being out in front of people because it's, you know, does Marcus Mariota have the appeal that the Titans left tackle does in terms of fan events? And I can't see, I mean, I think, again, it's always couched by he's a great person and he's a wonderful guy and he's, you know, he's everything you want in a 25-year-old. Me as a comparison, I am literally the anti-Marcus Mariota, like to my core. Uh, and so I, I can tell just by that that he's a great human being. That doesn't make him interesting. That doesn't make him, that doesn't make him engender himself and gender goodwill with the fan base that is already kind of skeptical of him based on how the health track record that we've talked about at nauseum but like we're, we're joking about you know if we're going to go to the new era uh marcus mariota ball caps our autograph session that he's having at nissan stadium at some point this week and i'm wondering how many people would actually be there because uh, i have no idea i'm I, i'm legitimately i legitimately have no idea how people feel about the quarterback I hate that for him yeah. because this is just who he is. I mean, it's not like his fault that he's a quiet, nice guy. Like dumping on Corey Davis for being the fifth overall draft. Pick. Yeah. He didn't ask to get picked there. Well, I mean, that there's a certain level of expectation, I think, with both of those things. Sure. If you're the number five pick, you're expected to perform at a certain level. Same thing. If you're an NFL quarterback, that means inherently you are going to be the face or one of the faces of the team. And that's part of the territory. Maybe that wasn't as much part of the territory at Oregon where you're kind of isolated. You're in Eugene. You're not in a big city. It sounds familiar. It's a big program, but it doesn't really resonate in a way that an Alabama does or even a Clemson or Georgia. You're describing the Tennessee Titans in Nashville, Tennessee. So there's a little bit of a connection there, but then you run into this, okay, here's the NFL. They're having this massive event in this city. They're trying to incorporate the quarterback who lives here most of the year and plays here. And it doesn't always seem to work. I think you and I both would agree that Marcus is great for kids, great with kids. Yes. You know, he seems to really kind of get into that and wants to help them develop. But again, fundamentally decent human being. But as far as the, you know, Joe fan or just people who follow the team, I don't know that I would be all that eager to go to an event with him there or. I mean, I guess it's not like a speaking thing. You're not going to hear him give a speech oh or something. Oh, my God. You and I have done plenty of that. But it is tricky with him. And I think this is part of the story is how he's viewed in totality. And there's him as the player and the injury stuff. But there's also Vrabel and John Robinson. They feel these questions from us and probably – however many times a year, a dozen times a year, there's a question about Marcus's personality and how does that fit in? And is he vocal enough? And is Mike he a leader the need to address it and saying, no, I'm here to counterbalance him personality. Some wise. of the most interesting answers I think I remember from last year was Vrabel about his personality set against Marcus's. Why it meshes. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I get it. Uh, I don't know what, what do you do? Like, what's he supposed to do? Get a personality transplant? I mean, this is who he is. Like be less mellow. You know what? (laughs) 
if he plays in even 15 games next year and they win 10 or more, I don't think it matters. Not I don't think we're having bit. this conversation because people can live with a quiet dude who is a winner. Uh, he's a winner, I think, mostly when he's out there. I think he agrees. Everybody agrees. He needs to be out there more. I don't – you take the steps to try and make that happen, roll the dice, and see if you can do it. But he's not going to change. He's not going to turn into like some mayoral candidate overnight here in Nashville. And any expectation of that, I think, is really uh, flawed. So what do you do? You, If you're the Titans, you look to those other people. You look to maybe you would never expect that a safety on the team would become one of the most vocal, outspoken, social kind of people. Worked in Seattle. Yeah. Russell Wilson is not. I mean, Russell Wilson is about as lame a human being. The coolest thing Russell Wilson has ever done is tweet out from bed with Ciara. We're all incredibly jealous that he is now the highest paid quarterback in football. That's the most interesting thing that Russell Wilson has ever done in his life. The rest of it has been bland, generalized crap, uh, other than which is the complete antithesis of who he is as a player. He's one of the most exciting players in the sport. Marcus Mariota, there are similar compa- – I mean, obviously I'm not comparing the ca- caliber of player that Russell is sure. to Marcus, but there are similarities to be you. drawn uh, to where it doesn't have to be a, a quarterback personality-driven thing. You can, and I think they know that here. Sure. I think do they, they get that. Do, do fans – uh, if they don't, they should. But to your point, keep developing. Keep finding those next generations of guys. You've made me pull now for them picking Wilkins because I think he could be one of those guys. I'm waving the flag hard, 100%. That's, that's who you'd like to see him pick. I would, I would be in love with Christian Wilkins yeah. uh, the minute he got here. The more, the more I learn about him, the more I read about him, the more that you, you talk to people who have been involved with him. And just as you said, you were down at Clemson uh, doing, doing some reporting on various guys because now there are several Clemson connections to be made with Adam Humphreys in the fold and there being a connection with Dabo and white wide receivers, Clemson grinding to where you get and all that good stuff. Uh, but I just Christian Wilkins, I can't, I can't get myself to move off of even as Jerry Tillery is tantalizing in terms of length and physical. Is that ability. that's who Rex Road was all about? Rex Road and Teron, uh, okay. Teron Davenport, ESPN.com, who was well, on you saw yesterday. His, his wonder lick was insane. Yeah, well, he can't be an idiot to go to Notre Dame. Uh... Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been a couple. <laughs> no comment. Um, I I just. I can't help but think that he makes so much sense. And the more that I the more that I convince myself of it, the more that I am fully aware that he will not be anywhere close to the Tennessee Titans, whether it's he's picked later or he's picked well before, because uh, that's what happens when you attach yourself to not attach yourself, but yet decide that this is the perfect thing. This is what they need to do. Of course, they're not going to do it when it comes down to it. So I, I tease it a little bit, but in the 100 simulations I did on the Draft Network so many. machine, which is really tedious to plug in the data for that if you would guess yes 48 times out of the 100 it came up with garrett bradbury for the number 19 pick sure so it obviously thinks that is where the titans would go and it makes sense it does it really does i don't know that that would do a lot for your personality thing from what i gather i talked to dave doran the coach at nc state i don't know that he oh but you know ben jones is ben jones is a funny guy anywhere but in front of a camera that's or fair a microphone. I, i'm more saying just compared to a christian wilkins oh, I, don't, sure. I don't know that you're necessarily getting that there but the the thing with the draft it, however you do the mocks however you lay it out is for the titans it really comes down to really two two and a half things 
got to get the edge rusher, got to get interior line help, right? And then there's yeah. a, then there's a gap, and then it's defensive line help beside Casey receiver. Maybe eventually develop a corner. Maybe eventually look for another tight end to develop. That's sort of the way I look at it. And so then you just you turn the draft into a roadmap. Okay, mm-hmm. you do this one thing at nineteen. All right, check that off. Then you're looking to do this. I think the Titans, it's it's a more linear draft than I've seen for a lot of teams. Sure. Where you look at it and you go, well, they kind I guess they could kind of use this, but I'm not really sure. Well, the Titans, you're pretty sure within the first three rounds, they're going to address at least two of those things, right? Offensive line, defensive line, edge rusher in no particular order. I mean, the mocks that would have the Titans taking a corner around two, you're like, what? No. Tom McShay, I swear to God, I don't know how you make money uh, doing what you do for a living, but bless you for well, picking I hadn't a seen that. I, I didn't know that he had. Well, I'm just taking a shot needlessly. Oh, okay. Todd McShay, not a future guest on 615 Sessions. Who did he have him taking? Uh, I can't. I think it was the Washington, uh, the Washington corner. Okay. Um, Byron, is that right? I can't remember his name. I don't know. I scoffed and I moved on. <laughs> I hadn't even looked at it. Um, but I think it gives you, if you're a fan and you're going into this this week, I think you have a, a decent vision for what Robinson is probably thinking along the lines of those players. And I think the mock I came up with was, and I was just trying to go through it. Like I said, who who can I see in the locker room? And I came up with one name in the second round that I don't think a lot of people have talked about. And I said this should be a, a total of Vegas prop bet is if and how many Boston College players <laughs> the Titans draft because of Vrabel's connection. Not to just that players. Program. They're bringing in strength coaches. They're going <laughs> to I mean, they're going to hire every they're literally going to bring the entire Boston College staff to Nashville. Forget Patriot South. This is going to be BC South. I mean, why not? Why not? Let's just bring in Dave Portnoy. We'll make it a whole Boston thing. But the name uh, Chris Lindstrom is really intriguing to me as an interior line solution. There's some people saying he might be even moving up toward the end of the first round. Who knows with that kind of stuff. But if he's there at 51, that's absolutely the kind of player that I could see as a fit as someone who answers one of those top two or three things that they need to find early on. And who would know more about him than Mike Vrabel? And I think that's... uh, we're probably going to be having that conversation with him about one of those BC guys. I don't know who or where they're going to go. There's a safety, Will Harris, late that could be there. Uh, there's a tight end, Tommy Sweeney, who could be there. Zach Allen, I believe, is a Zach a Allen for uh, projected a lot in the Sims that I did in the third round. Yeah. Uh, he's sort of a tweener, DN. They, they think... Multiplicity, baby, drink. <laughs> well, they think at BC that he was a more complete football prospect than Harold Landry was. Now Landry had the raw materials, yeah. the the speed, the I mean that's you the can't, bend that everybody talks sure. about. Sure. I mean just freak athleticism type stuff, but that Allen was just more of a complete dude. That people around the program have told me that uh, last fall. Mm. And again, Tyler Vrabel, redshirt freshman offensive lineman who's expected to be a really good player for them, I think can give a really good scouting report on guys he's going against in practice Mm -hmm. or guys that he plays beside like Lindstrom. So I'm really curious to see if any of those BC guys pop up. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I look at this and there are so many in a draft that I think most would consider less than, less than intriguing for a good many teams around the league. I mean, the Kyler Murray thing is obviously a novelty in any year. 
uh, and the and the quarterback situation with Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke. I mean, it, you know, you can have you can plug name X of quarterback in, and you can have that conversation year after year after year. I've just focused so much on nineteen though that I haven't really even paid a ton of attention. Locking out the noise outside of Kyler and what Arizona does, I really haven't paid a ton of attention to. But what you're saying is, it's it is it, it there is a defined path in the way that John Robinson approached free agency, in a way that he went through. You could literally have had a checklist in front of you, yeah. and said, "Edge rusher, veteran presence, edge rusher, Cam Wake, check, slot receiver, uh, hard worker, grinder, somebody who you know better than probably any player, maybe better than any player on your roster to this point." Adam Humphreys, check. You get an you get interior offensive line help. You get rid of the dead weight that is Josh Klein and quit in Spain. Upgrade backup quarterback. Upgrade the backup quarterback. Literally did it all. If we made a list, and a lot of us did after the season, what do the Titans need to do? It's literally what they've done. A lot of time in the offseason for lists. <laughs> yeah, there's, but this draft, there's this draft for them, I think the more that I pay attention just on the periphery to what else is going on around the league, it's more defined for them, as you mentioned, uh, than than anybody else seems to. And I'm just I'm curious to what you think, and obviously this is going to change before they make the actual first round pick tomorrow on Thursday when all this goes down. I think I'm I'm trying to figure out what the biggest storyline will be heading into Friday. I know what I'm a little afraid that it will be it, is it will be the Clemson Kevin Dodd no, story. I'm a little afraid. I mean, <laughs> but the reason I say that is the odds are fairly high that they would take certainly one of those two players. I don't think Lawrence is going to sneak up to where they are. They could trade back maybe to get somebody like him. Sure. But I that could be the story is one I, they're not trading out of the first round first of all i don't think amy's gonna have that no <laughs> not not with the situation is I, I can see them moving down to the 20s but they ain't trading out of the first round i i don't think i don't think amy is is one who is over overly involved in the goings on of the football i think team. she said i got one request <laughs> but that might be it <laughs> just got one we got to pick thursday <laughs> i don't care where you pick just needs to one happen. to 32 probably lower Toward 32 than one, but we we'll need live. to pick Thursday. Yeah. Um, but the fact that there's three of those guys out there suggests that there's a higher percentage chance that that's probably what we're going to be talking about is here comes another Clemson defensive front guy, maybe an edge rusher, maybe a defensive lineman. How is he different? How is he different than Kevin Dodd? I hope that's not the case. I think the odds are, are just leaning that way to me. I think it's going to be Farrell. That's just sort of my gut. I don't have a great reason for that. I just think that it's who's going to be available and who makes the most sense for them. Maybe somebody like Montez Sweat is available that we don't think they're going to be. Uh, maybe the heart thing is a factor for the, this team and other teams. I don't know. Mm. Um, the Jeff Simmons thing is really interesting to me. Like, what could they move around in the in the draft that order? That is such a Patriots pick at thirty two. It feels that way, but God, now they're, they're starting to talk a lot about Will Greer at thirty two for the Patriots, which I don't really understand. But good for them. I don't. I, I'm really curious of the draft stories. I think I lean more toward the college prospect side than I do the other NFL teams, the other thirty one teams. Jeff Simmons is really interesting to me. I talked to a couple of people at Mississippi State, including Joe Moorhead, about him, and he is a transcendent talent. First of all, they said, honestly, like man-to-man between us, 
no, we had no issues with this kid. We right. know what happened with him on the front end of his college career. This is a good kid. We don't know what happened exactly, but this is not a concern. You have no, and and nobody is nobody is justifying what was seen on video because it was horrific. But we have no idea what goes on in these guys' family lives and these in their backgrounds before they make it, and they things like this get onto the internet. Well, all you can do is back away. it up and sure. be who you are after that, and. From everything I gather, that has not been a factor in this draft process for any teams. It's all about more more. it's all about his knee and, and when he's going to be healthy again. Yeah. But that's that's one for me. I don't know if the Titans factor into that, but where's he going to go? How does he fit in? Could the Titans somehow get him in the second round? I don't know. Can you imagine? But for, it's a high polite second round. But for Friday, yeah, I think it just goes back to who they pick, and the odds are because there's more of them there that it's going to be a Clemson dude. Uh, I just got 40 minutes out of the most exclusive interview in all of Nashville sports audio. Totally ridiculous. Since this isn't radio anymore. Travis Haney of The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at Trav Haney, uh, and you can read all of his work on The Athletic, as well as our friend Johnny Glennon and Adam Vingan. I guess no more Preds talk, though. Plenty of Preds talk, oh. just not Preds games. Uh, I see a little, little, not hot seat, warm seat talk for Lavula. Johnny getting out there with the hot takes on Twitter. Not exactly Glennon's style. Regardless, Travis, I appreciate you doing this, brother. It's always a, always fun, as you said, to get the band back together uh, and do the pod in person because it's way more fun this way. We probably we were a little too serious, I think. We're going to have to get weirder on the next one, but I appreciate you having me. here on the 615 Sessions presented by A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, Nashville.com. Uh, I'm starting to realize that the guests that we trot out, and we have had a great many guests uh, during this draft week, these two pods that we have been pumping out, I think the only reason that people have agreed to come on uh, and talk football with me is because they like to take shots at me on an open platform, and no better person to do that than Corey Curtis of News 2, uh, my Twitter foe, my Twitter nemesis, and also one of the best hairdos in Nashville, my brother. What's up? Uh, I am no Joe Rexroad, okay? Uh, <laughs> you guys, I, I may have, you guys I are may jerks, have no honestly. redeeming qualities, but Joe Rexroad is harder on you than any person in the world. I, he it, might as well be your dad at this point. It does feel that way. Like, Rexroad Rex Road will text me if I'm being too petty on social media about something. Like, he wants to make sure that I'm not putting myself in a bad position. Now, publicly, he'll rip my ass. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, that's, that's just what it is. Now, you, you're just a bully. You'll come at me with your dad memes. <laughs> Uh, and and you'll shame me in various ways and all my my mis- gift game is strong. Your gift game is strong. Do you do you before we get into the football, uh, Corey Curtis? And you can follow Corey on Twitter where he continues to bully me at Corey Curtis too. Uh, do you do you just have like a gift keyboard? Do you have these things favorited somewhere? No, I just you just have to know how to search. That's all. <laughs> well, you do that. Uh, quite well. Something that you also do well is push me off a position and then steal my opinion (laughs) on said position. As Corey Curtis has been bombarding me, or not bombarding me, but was texting me uh, vociferously the other night trying to decide what made the most sense in terms of a Titans draft pick, the top three uh, choices that I would have if I had my druthers about who the Tennessee Titans would select at 19. I had Hollywood Brown, the wide receiver, out of Oklahoma as a part of my three. I believe my other two were Christian Wilkins uh, and and uh, I can't remember which. Center, Brian Burns. Brian Burns, the outside linebacker from yeah. Florida State. Uh, those were the three selections that I made. And then Corey quickly pushed, pushed me off my position, then came to the press conference the next day and said that was the pick he made. Well, you know, I give you credit for opening me up to that 
possible selection because his size has terrified me. And so that's why I wasn't willing to go there. But then when I started to think about the impact of the picks and who they could get and who could make the biggest impact, who could be the biggest game changer for the Tennessee Titans, I said, you know, I think Buck is on to something. You know, because if they can't get an elite pass rusher, and and look, I, I think Cleveland Farrell can be a Derek Morgan type, so he can be a good player but not an elite player. I heard somebody I, else draw that similarity the other day too and it's not something I had considered, but it wouldn't be a wor- it wouldn't be a terrible thing. No, I mean, look, Derek Morgan was a good player for a long time, but if I can't get a game changer because that's what I'm, I'm in the first round, that's what I'm always hoping for is a game changer. You know, can Brian Burns be a game changer? Maybe, but he's not in the class of those guys that are there in the top 10, you know, the Josh Allens and the Montez Sweat and all those guys. And I said, so if you can't get an elite pass rusher and you can't get to Andrew Luck that way, maybe you just have to keep up with him on the scoreboard. And I I mean, I, I can't think of anybody who could change the Titans offense more than Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I mean, and... It's it's impact, instant impact that you're looking yeah. at or looking for in the first round. Nineteen. If is, he can survive. If he can survive, 166 pounds is terrifying, and that was at the combine when he had all the time in the world to put on that weight. Uh, the the comparisons that he's drawing, and of course he he did not participate in many in all, all of the combine drills because he was dealing with a Liz Frank foot injury, which is uh, very very concerning. If you're That's a not great. It's not not great. Not great, Bob. Uh, if you are a, if you're a wide receiver who who relies on the ability to be able to plant and cut uh, effectively and efficiently, but the Deshaun Jackson comparison I think is a real thing, and mm-hmm. they don't once once that dude gets loose in your secondary, there are very very few players in the NFL at that level, even as he is not yet at that level. There are very few people who possess the kind of chase down speed that would be requisite to get Hollywood Brown and drag him down before he reaches your end zone. Uh, I just I can't. Corey, with a wide receiver, I can't, after all the countless examples that we've had of guys who are drafted high or drafted even in the first round, who take two or three years to get there, even if they do get there. And I look at Corey Davis, and Corey Davis is is a is a far superior athlete uh, and a more well round was a more well rounded wide receiver, I think, coming into the NFL when he did. And how long did it take him to get right and get comfortable? He's still not at that point, and I just well, don't look, think they have the time to waste on that. I, I, and when you're looking at Corey Davis, his rookie year was was largely lost to injury. As a wash, I mean, so so I mean, you you have to you have to acknowledge that, and then you have to say, you know, he took a major step forward last year. I mean, he he won two games for them last year, the Patriots game and then the the Eagles game. I mean, you could say he. You know, he had impact. He was a game changer in those games. The, the one thing I will say about Hollywood Brown, and I'm not trying to talk anybody into the pick, but it's, it's I don't know. It sounds I, like it. It's how I justify it to myself: is <laughs> you don't have to develop speed. Yeah. I mean that, and that's what he gives you. The moment he steps on the field, he gives you speed, and and that doesn't take any time to develop. And so, you know, can he be a game changer for them right off the bat? I don't know, but I do know this. Defenses have to pay attention to him because he is a 4-3 guy. And he's he's not just a 4-3 guy. He has football speed. When you watch the tape on him, he gets the ball in his hands and pulls away from people. And that's impressive. No question. Uh, I just, I, I, I look at it and I think, okay, well, well, well then what do you do with Taewon Taylor? Isn't that what Taewon Taylor 
was supposed to be, and I know that Hollywood Brown a much better, much bigger. Taylor Taylor's a, like a four six guy. Okay, I mean they're not even in the same ballpark, and I think at, at this point, where the Titans have seen enough to know that Taywan Taylor and Tajay Sharp could be a four to five for them. They're not twos and threes. They have got to get better at their number three. They've gotten better at their number two with Adam Humphreys. They've got to get stronger with that that third member of that group. Those two guys cannot be counted on week to week to deliver for the Tennessee Titans. If they want to be an offense that keeps up with the Colts and keeps up with the Texans, they've got to be stronger than Sharp or Taylor at that number three receiver. And it's a totally fair point. Uh, they need more dynamic playmaking. They just need some kind. I mean, God, Corey, when 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 they were when Malarkey was still here and they were trotting a Dory Jackson out on offense, it's because they didn't have anybody else that possessed that kind of game changing speed, and they desperately needed infusion at that at the uh, or on that side of the football. Um, I just I can't. I I sit here and I look at at all of the needs they have. And of course, we have no idea how the draft board is going to break. And I don't think either of us are are legitimately considering that Hollywood Brown would be the pick. Although, I mean, the more you hear about it, the more you hear that they like him. Uh, well, I predicted it. I mean, it's my prediction for them at 19. Oh, I mean, I, you, I, you I, went I, with it. I, you swung. I've, I've staked my name to it. But listen, ah. the, the, I, there are probably 10, 12 guys that they could take that wouldn't surprise me. You could give me Garrett Bradbury or Chris Lindstrom on the offensive line, Jonah Williams if he slides. I think they're all good picks you know, for them. A lot of these defensive guys. I mean, look, if Christian Wilkins is there at 19, I would just drool all over myself with anticipation of getting that good of a football player. And that's a possibility, you know, depending on how things go. There's going to be a good player there. It just depends on which position it is and if the Titans value that at 19. I I totally agree with you. Um, and I I'm I, it's a fascinating a fascinating position that they're in at 19 with because there appears to be so many linear needs that they have. Like I think everybody can connect the dots. It would seem, but Hollywood Brown or DK Metcalf or or even Noah Fant if he ends up at 19 would be would shake things up I think in a way that people aren't expecting and honestly that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for a little excitement on Thursday well, night. I, and I think the Titans would like to supply some excitement. I, I asked John Robinson at the presser the other day, do you feel like the entire league is watching you? And, and he joked about it and said no. But I think certainly all of Middle Tennessee is watching him. And you know, pe- people want him to deliver something. And not that an offensive lineman doesn't make you better, but I, I don't know how ex- – I mean – I don't know how excited people would be with an offensive lineman. Garrett Bradbury would make them better. There's no question in my mind. And he might be the safest pick in the draft for them at 19. But yeah, I mean, do I you don't... want safe or transformational? Sure. And it's it's a you 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 have to stake your name on either one of those things because this is this is a pivotal point. As I mean, we have talked ad nauseum on it for anybody who has a platform to talk about the Tennessee Titans, how pivotal pivotal pivotal, excuse me, if I can get the word out, uh, a year it is with Marcus Mariota's contract situation and their window with being able to win with him on the cheap, closing at such a high rate of speed. Um, I'm not, listen, I've never built a football team. I would hate for them to pick a center in the first round just because of how boring it is. But uh, yeah, John Rob, I, I, if I was a Titans fan, uh, and I'm not, I'm somebody who is uh, who roots for good people and good uh, and good, you know, good storylines. But I, I would trust that man if I was a fan 
of the team that he ran uh, because he has given them precious little, given fans precious little reason to doubt him, even as much as people like to cling to the Kevin Dodd thing. Look, you're going to get some wrong. He acknowledged that the other day. Everybody gets some wrong. There's just no way around it. Now, those three second round picks that they got that year, that's it's not looking the greatest right now. No. Um, Austin, jo- so, I still get Austin Johnson and Daquan Jones mixed up. But the first pick of the third round that year was Kevin Byard. Yes. So there, there's that. So, so you get some right, you get some wrong. You just, you got to get more right than you get wrong. And the other thing is, and this is where the, the, when you say why haven't the Titans been able to come out over the top in the last five, ten years, other than injuries to the quarterbacks, they haven't nailed first round picks. And by nailed, they, they don't, ha- they don't, ha- they haven't had first round picks who have completely changed the organization. You know, Chris Johnson came in as a first-round pick, and that was a lightning bolt to this team. They don't have a lot of lightning bolts in their histories. They've got more Kenny Britts, more Derek Morgans, more Kendall Wrights. Um, they've, they've got a lot more of um, a lot more of that. Corey Davis, Dory Jackson. You know, they've been good, but you don't need good. You need you need Andrew Luck. You need Quentin Nelson. Um, I mean, look at the draft the Colts had last year. It was a transformational draft. They they got incredible. What was the kid from SC State who they got in round two? Oh, the um, linebacker. Darius Leonard. Leonard. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that may go down as the best draft in Colts history. When you when you look at a play, you got Braden Smith as well. I mean, and so the the Titans need they need more home runs in round one specifically because you know that's that's where those guys are and you got to nail it. But when you when you've got Chance Warmack and and Jake Locker both in the top ten and you whiff on both of them, it sets your organization back. Uh, speaking of home runs, how good is Jeff Fisher on Twitter? <laughs> I saw the uh, the uh, the housing thing with oh his daughter the flipping. Yeah. So, like that and dunking on Jason Lockonfora publicly uh, about him Jason getting a Lock job in the XFL. I mean, it. Jeff Fisher on Twitter has been a revelation for me this offseason. Yeah, I, I piled on the Jason Lockonfora thing. I said maybe Jeff Fisher is uh, not going to go into coaching. Maybe he's going to get with Bon Jovi to buy the Titans. Well, shocking that you would pile on on somebody on Twitter. Well, listen, I when I don't respect people, they get piled on. Oh, well, that, that says everything that you need to say about our relationship there, bud. <laughs> I don't pile on you. I'm first in line. <laughs> I start the pile. <laughs> At Corey Curtis, too, is where you can follow my man on Twitter. Uh, tell us a little bit about the live stream uh, that you at w- you guys at WKRN have going uh, during this draft week. Yeah, you know what? It's every day from noon till about 1 o'clock, and we're going from Nissan Stadium. We're rolling tons of guests through. We got desperate. You're going to be on the show. That's right. Um, but, yeah, we had Ke- first day, great day. We had uh, Kevin Byard, and we had Tyrell Dotson from Centennial High School. who's was at Texas A&M, and we're, and we're, you know, looking at about four teams every day um and we're breaking down a whole bunch of players and everything it's just it's 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 nirvana for you and me buck it's just an hour talking about the draft no question it's fantastic it's this listen i'm having more fun this week uh than i think i've had getting uh you know doing doing what we do this is this is a bit i mean this is not something i think most of us have experienced and i'm i'm reveling in it it's made me realize I, my dream job is no longer in television. I just want to be an NFL GM. That's it. <laughs> well, uh, little do people know, you've been one in my inbox uh, almost every day this week. Corey Curtis of WKRN, kind enough to join us here on the 615 Sessions. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Buck. Back here on the
the 615 sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you. Thrilled to be joined by Titans linebacker Rashawn Evans at 616 Evans 4 is where you follow my man on Twitter. Rashawn, appreciate you taking some time. Uh, thank you for having me, man. No question, no question. So, what's up? What's this first professional off season been like for you? I'm sure that's a question you've got a million, uh, a million times at this point. But this being draft week and all the buzz around it that you went through last year, I imagine but, uh, it's got a little different feel heading into year two. Oh, it does, man. Um, now that I'm, <laughs> I'm no longer the guy that has to wait for that phone call. I'm more of a guy that's getting ready for this, getting, getting more prepared, getting his body ready for the season. So. Um, but um, yeah, I can only imagine what these guys are going through right now, and um, just the fact that you know they're going, they're embarking on a different you know pathway into their career, and you know being able to you know further it in this situation. I know they got a lot of things on their mind right now because I can remember last year that you know I was trying to figure out you know where I'm gonna be at, uh, you know all of the things as far as that you know having a team that you might be that might be your favorite team, but you you know you're trying to keep your, uh, an open an open mind because you don't know where you might go. So. I mean, there's a lot of things that come in play in this situation. Man. What What was the most difficult part of that night for you? Because I imagine, I mean, at the end of it, when you finally get the call, uh, you got obviously traded up for uh, when the Titans yeah. made moves to come up and get you because they thought so much of you, uh, rightfully yeah, so, what, as, as was evidenced by how your play uh, got better the more reps you got on the field and the more mm-hmm. comfortable you got in the defense. But mm-hmm. that, that, that whole night, Rashad, I have to imagine, is just filled with anxiety and angst uh, and, and just uncertainty certainty until you finally do get the phone call so what w- what was the hardest part of all that for you uh, I would say just the understanding that you know you're no longer uh, a collegiate player that this is now your job and that you know you're solely that your production and all these things going to play on whether or not you you stay in the league or you you end up getting cut or you know leaving the league and going into a different situation so but um just having those things on your mind and then also too just you know just trying to figure out where are you going to be um you know you you dreamed of this moment your whole life and, and you know you thought of so many different teams that you could have possibly been on or maybe like i just said you know had a team that you had in mind your whole your whole life that you would have loved to play for and you know you have to constantly you know keep an open mind that you know that could possibly be totally opposite so um but at the same time man you know you, you still have to be able to understand that regardless of where you go how you're selected when you're selected that the number one thing is that when, when you get out on that field is that that you you let that be known and that you know it doesn't matter yeah, I, and I just I'm fascinated by the whole the whole human element of it, Rashawn. Because like I'm two years older than you, right? And I'm by no means an adult. Like I am a total I am a total immature. Uh, I can't even say the word because we're <laughs> yeah. you know FCC. Yeah. But uh, yeah. and and so I'm I'm just imagining like how it is to process all of that in real time mm-hmm. in the midst of oh my god, I have no idea where my career is headed. I mean, you have mm-hmm. an idea obviously because you're going to go in the yeah. first round. But uh, yeah. I just what how is it? How difficult uh, is it to compartmentalize all of that in that mm. very instance mm. and then realize, mm. okay, this is the next step. This is what I have to do mm. next. This mm. is how I have to go about my business yeah. because I'm now officially a professional. No doubt. Um, you know, it can vary depending on the guy, the guy's mindset. And, you know, some guy's going to be able to, you know. Wait, are you calling me weak-minded because I couldn't do that? <laughs> yeah, no. I would say it like this. There are going to be some I'm guys. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That, Oh, no doubt, no doubt. I, w- I would say there are going to be some guys like, you know, every guy is different, but there are going to be some guys that are going to be able to um, be able to kind of soothe the situation or kind of just, 
you know, relax a little bit more than some other guys. At the same time, the the, the no, number one thing they're all going to have comparison is the nervousness because it's brand new. This is a brand new platform, brand new situation, brand new scheme they're going to go into in a brand new area that they're going to live in for however long that they get their contract. So, but for them in that situation, the number, I would say, man, it's, it's very difficult. But if, but if a lot of these guys, if they're, if, I know, I'm knowing that they probably have an age, agent or mom, dad, grandma, whoever it is that's that's in the you know in the area right now that's trying to help that. But at the same time, man, I mean, it's 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 very hard to just kind of fathom, uh, you know, the situation that you just were in, and you spent maybe three to four years, depending on what you know when you came out of, uh, you know, being in the area of seeing the same people being up under the same regime knowing the ins and outs of everything about the place that you were at in college and then now now you're basically brand new so it's almost like high school when you go back into college but just but just on steroids speaking of college you graduated from bama uh last or a year ago with a degree Uh in psychology uh how how what was what was the most interesting part of for you in order to you know what what interested you most about that particular field because I imagine well, you know I, you what, always what, strike me Rashawn yeah. every time I talk to you as somebody who's in, incredibly mature uh, for yeah. your age especially you know in comparison with somebody like yeah. me <laughs> so I just I'm fascinated by the the whole you know what what most interests you about that field and and how much it has yeah. helped you uh, with yeah. all of this kind of stuff. Well, I actually had a cheat code. My cheat code was actually my mom. Sure. My mom is a psychologist herself. She has multiple degrees in that field. And she brought me into that field when um, it was maybe like my first or second year in college. I was really unsure about where, where I wanted to be as far as, you know, the school set part. And, you know, she brought me into that because she was like, look, I've been teaching you this, this your whole life. I mean, it's something that should naturally, you know, happen when you get into the classroom you should be able to understand it because i was teaching you these mindset things and how to uh you know break down a situation how to you know process a uh, a bad situation and bring a solution to it so my mom was the number one person that brought it in you know she even has a uh, company right now called critical insights which you know she she allows people to you know she gets you know different things of data and all these other things and gather them up and she helps people learn about themselves and that's what she did with me as a, at a young age and when i had that that process as, at, a, at a young age it was easier for me to go through a lot of the things that i went through and be able to you know come out the way i did i mean shoot if, if anybody that knew my story they know that it, it took me all the way to my senior year in order for me to play right um, i could have left at any time i could have transferred at any time and went to any other school and anything could have happened you know what i'm saying so but my number one thing was that I was going to stay in it and that regardless of what was, you know, dealt with me, that I was going to come out on top. So, you know, that that type of, you know, mental process and mental toughness that I have, you know, from an early age that my mom taught me was that I would say the number one thing of the reason why I am who I am today. Uh, speaking of mental states, uh, I'm greatly concerned about your former teammate, and I'm sure still your friend Will Compton. Uh, he thinks uh-huh. it's he thinks it's a good idea to to buy an abandoned school bus and start a podcast with Taylor Lewan. I'm greatly uh-huh. concerned, mostly because they're going to come for my job, and they're probably going to be better at it <laughs> than I am. Uh, ha- have you have you seen what they've been doing? What 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 do you make of all of this? Man, I think you know it's two guys that have great. 
these they have are, are really smart, man, and they and they just using that to you know expand their careers, man. Sure. And I, I love it, man. I think it's something that's that's brand new. It's, it's different. And then too, you know, guys that are on the team, we know these guys that you know they they are literally what you see on that podcast is what you see on the field and you know in the locker room. So, but um, at the same time, man, you know, just being able to branch out and do different things other than football, man, I think every guy in the league should have something like that regardless of what it is oh my god I, I i could not agree with you more Rashawn. i mean my my whole thing with football and i, I won't keep you much longer because i know you're in mm-hmm. the midst of, of 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 recovery from the trading session that i'm sure Vrabel mm-hmm. has put you through no today. doubt <laughs> uh but the 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 personality in football is something that seems to be not not discouraged but it is it does not benefit somebody to stand out it would seem like football mm-hmm. Football doesn't exactly create the most, I don't know, in environment for you to be, I guess, comfortable or to allow yourself to have that personality, to show that personality. Uh, and mm-hmm. I always make fun of it when we go to these press conferences. And God bless Marcus. He buries us in every yeah, country yeah, humanly yeah. possible. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I know no he's doubt. a good guy and I know he's got a great personality. I no just doubt. wish more athletes would show that. Yeah, and you know what, man? Um, I think that the funny part about it, I'm glad you said that. Because a lot, a lot of these guys, you know, we try to say all the right things, which, which is supposed to do. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, you got to kind of bring out your personality. These fans, they want to see certain things. Like, they want to know who you are. They want to know what you're about. And at the same time, shit, I'm like, you know, it's not like somebody's putting a gun to your head and telling you have to do this. You no, know what it, it so, makes you so much more human. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And for me, I've, like I said, man, I've always been a guy that regardless of, you know, the situation or the stage, I've almost, I'm going to be myself. That's where I'm more comfortable. And that way people can understand the type of person I am and where I'm coming from. And it, I think it's more interesting for fans to, you know, see that. They know that I'm a real person. I'm not just some robot running out there with, a, with, a, with some pigs can. So <laughs> at the same time, <laughs> I just try to keep it as natural and as authentic as possible because, I mean, you get the best interviews like that. Oh, for sure. Well, and I'm, I'm hugely appreciative for that. And it, you know, it makes me it makes me upset because vultures like myself will pounce on you guys when you say the wrong thing or or attach a, other mm-hmm. meaning uh, to mm-hmm. your words that you otherwise meant. And it, it mm-hmm. drives me crazy because, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. looking to talk to interesting people. And mm-hmm. I wish that mm-hmm. more guys were more comfortable in their skin mm-hmm. like you are uh, to be well, able yeah. to show that and, and create a more a hu- more human attachment for the fans. Rashawn Evans, Titans linebacker here with us on the 615 Sessions. We'll get you out of here with this. I've got a little Titans looks like game that the okay. people on Twitter send us. So I'm going to run a few by you and you tell me what you think of them. Okay. Does Will Compton look like an extra on the set of the OC? <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I'll take it out. I'll go see you. <laughs> Does Marcus Mariota look like the friend in every group who is constantly apologizing for the actions of his idiot friends? Yes. <laughs> That is immediate. That's my God. I love it, man. That's my God. Does new Titans wide receiver Adam Humphreys look like the cool substitute teacher that lets you watch movies in class? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, man, I wish I was original enough to come up with these things. These are things that people send me. Man, that is, but you know what? They are undefeated. The internet is undefeated. 100%. And the last one, and hopefully we don't get you in trouble with this one. Does Mike Vrabel look like the guy who takes a first date to a beer league softball game? Wow. <laughs> you just got so quiet. But you know what? 
me and Coach Ray will have a great relationship, and he will understand that I'm definitely going to see you. It's so spot on, Rashad. I legitimately fell out of my chair when I was reading my mentions. Hey, these are these are good, man. I, you know, but I love when fans do that, man. It, 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 it gets us more comfortable with fans, and you know, more personal with those guys. So, I mean, it's this is this is cool. I, I love it. No question. Well, we loved having you. We appreciate your time, Rashawn. Uh, enjoy. Do you have anything coming up that the people can can uh, interact with you during during the draft weekend? Um, maybe I, I really don't know for sure right now. I know I'm going to do a couple of interviews that you know people can tune into. Um, you know, I'm going to be doing a lot of events this week, so um, you know, just stay tuned with those things. Uh, but other than that, you know, I might do some more social media things on my Instagram for you to go look at. But other than that, that'd be about it. Follow him on Twitter at six one six Evans four and at on his Instagram at mm-hmm. r.blade underscore Rashawn Evans Titans mm-hmm. linebacker kind enough to be our guest here on the 615 sessions appreciate you boss I'll see you once uh, once they let us vultures back in the locker room <laughs> All right, no doubt no doubt man take care Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Make sure you're liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, Instagram, wherever it is that you would like to harass us on the social media platform. Somebody who does like to do a good bit of harassing on social media, Michael Kist, Bleeding Green Nation, at Michael Kist NFL, one of our favorite, if not our favorite, I would argue at this point, draft analyst, NFL analyst, uh, jack of all trades, and dashing good looking human. Mike, I appreciate you stopping by. Absolutely, man. It's my favorite time of year where I can stockpile all the screenshots I have of people telling me, no way, no way, this player lasts till X or X player lasts until whenever. And I can really own them on draft day when they look stupid. So this is my favorite time of year for that reason alone. I'm that petty. Uh, well, I was just about to say, how how good, like, I I, I soak in the pettiness uh, that is Twitter. Yeah. Like, I, I, I roll around in it like a pig in mud. But you, who, <laughs> who just spend hours upon hours when I used to have you on on Friday nights, uh, just burying yourself in offensive and defensive line tape, uh, how good does it feel when you can just walk up to, or not walk up to somebody, get up right on somebody's profile and tweet them, listen, I knew this was going to go down. This is how it went down. Suck it, nerd. Oh, it's absolutely satisfying. And and now having put a, a stop on all the film work, being able to bring my head up and, and check the uh, the surroundings and the landscape, uh, I think Twitter needs me more than ever, Buck, and I'll, I'll be here Twitter for the entire ride. <laughs> God, that that makes me so happy. You're 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 absolutely right. We uh, we on Twitter need you down here in the Twitter sewers. It is where I was. It where it's where people like us were born, Mike. This is uh, this is where exactly. we thrive. Yeah, this is where we get along so well, and, and I'm ready for the debates and the freakouts and the overreactions. That is the draft. Uh, it, it's take after take after just massive butterfly after massive butterfly. You know, we talk about it all the time on the Kiss and Select show on BGN Radio. The, the draft is just one iteration of a million different possibilities, and I, I really do enjoy watching it unfold and, and watching the the plebes freak out. <laughs> the plebes. Yeah, that's my bad for not working in a Kiss and Solak uh, show plug. Check them out on BGN Radio uh, and wherever you're, where, rate, review, subscribe, wherever it is that you find your podcasts, etc., etc. Uh, all right, let's talk about this Frank Clark trade uh, from the Seahawks to the Kansas City Chiefs. They 
sent a first-round pick, a 2020 second-round pick, uh, and an exchange of third-round picks to uh, to the Seahawks in order for Kansas City to acquire Frank Clark and then pay him massive amounts of money. How much does this uh, How much does this affect what's going to happen on Thursday night? Oh, it's got a massive effect on it. Like I even said on Twitter, it's just it's the sound of a thousand mock drafts hitting the garbage bin is exactly what that trade was because now the Seahawks have plenty of maneuverability when they had a lack of picks before. So they got two first round picks, then you add in the second, you you know, you add in the next year pick and everything like that. They can move around, they can stockpile even more like they like to do. They'll probably move down in the first round and probably get some more third round picks out of it and get a lot of swings at the back, get a lot of cheap contracts to help them alleviate some of that concern with, with the cap and paying Russ. And, and I really thought that they won this trade. I don't know where the pass rush is going to come from. They're going to have to find some answers for that. But it seems like the Chiefs just really overpaid to, to get rid of D Ford and then swap it out and get a new guy and pay him more money than like Von Miller is a bit wild for me. But yeah, I think this Seahawks did themselves some favors in, in this situation, and it is going to have a big impact on the draft. So so far to the point that I haven't done the full research on exactly how I think it's it's going to impact the draft to the point where I'm just going to let it wash over me when it happens. <laughs> oh, I mean that's and that's the way that you should experience this kind of thing because yeah. I mean at this point we're all just kind of in it for the show. We're near enough now uh, the draft taking place here in Nashville, which by the way I desperately wish you were here to see this, Mike. It is unbelievable. I know, man. Uh, uh, the way that this has just proliferated uh, our our little town here in Nashville, and uh, it is certainly a sight to see, and we're happy to have it here. But I, I I look at what Kansas City did with Frank Clark in terms of the 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 money, the just god awful amount of money that they gave this man. Like Frank Clark is not Von Miller, and he is being paid vastly more than Von Miller. Yeah. And I look at this and I think, oh my God, this makes it even more of a, of an, uh, a necessity for the Tennessee Titans to get an impact defensive player, either an edge rusher or an interior defensive lineman, because you do not want to find yourself in a position where you are the Kansas City Chiefs, where you seem to lack a little bit of, of direction almost in the way that they've kind of handled this D Ford Frank Clark situation uh, and and you cannot put your you cannot hamstring yourself with that kind of contract uh, when you can find these guys on a on a rookie deal in this year's ra- uh, draft yeah and it's interesting too and I have a perfect fit for you and a guy that's being mocked to the Tennessee Titans I'm surprised he's sliding this far my dream scenario because I, I cover the Eagles full disclosure but my dream scenario is that Brian Burns from FSU falls into the teens and how he comes in riding on a dragon and then comes and swoops him in front of the Titans at 19 because that's exactly where I think he would go if the Eagles would stay put and he took a slip like that. You're talking about Brian Burns who tested like an elite athlete shows elite pass rushing skills. He's a top three player on my board and he's getting pushed down because he's a little bit light and run defense. The guy weighed 14 pounds heavier than he played out at FSU. He weighed 249 pounds and he still tested like an elite athlete. He's only 21. Happy birthday, by the way. We're recording this on Tuesday. It is his birthday today. He's 21 years old. There's plenty of room for this guy to grow. You get him in an off-season strength and conditioning program. Whatever you want to do, other people are paid money to do that. Bring him in the building. Give me the mold of clay give me the elite pass rusher and then buck what you're looking at is harold landry and brian burns on rookie contracts that's your pass rush that is 
insanely cheap and one of the best duos in the league, like hands down. That would be terrifying for me if I were an offensive coordinator. Uh, so did you, in fact, get him a f-ing dragon for his birthday? I'm working on it. I'm working on hatching those eggs. If there's some, <laughs> there's some shady dealings going down with the witch lady. I gotta, I gotta iron out. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even have to kill a horse. Just got, just got, got the eggs. Head straight we'll to the see. fire. Happy birthday, Brian Burns. <laughs> there, we just alienated so many people. Actually, I feel like a fair enough, fair enough amount of people watch Game of Thrones that listen to this podcast. Regardless, Michael Kist of, Look, it, uh, but go ahead. If, if they don't, they'll let you know on Twitter because that's the cool thing to do now. <laughs> yeah, like like when did it become a when did it become cool uh, to shame people for enjoying Game of Thrones on Twitter? Like that's a niche now, and I just I don't understand. Uh, among many things yeah. that I don't understand, one of which is why people are so obsessed with the with the weight of Brian Burns at my. And this is something that I've talked about with Teron Davenport. I know you know Teron well um, because Teron yeah. is absolutely an advocate. Because I, like all of us, we've seen the tape of Brian Burns and we know what kind of player he is. My only my only issue that comes up with the weight is just long-term durability uh, because it's a totally different level of physicality once they make it to the NFL. But, th- I mean, that's a concern for any player. That's, that's fairly minuscule uh, when you consider the kind of talent that he is. Brian Burns, though, I, I can't. I cannot imagine a situation where he makes it that far uh, in the first round. And we've talked about some of the other guys that may or may not be available to, for the Titans. Is there another? Is there another edge presence like Cleland Farrell, who seems to be taking yeah, gonna, a little yeah. bit of a nosedive? Not a nosedive as as far a nosedive as one can take in the first round of the NFL draft. Um, but he seems to be slowly, but day by day making it further down the draft board as, as more of these uh, as more people get hyped up about uh, Brian Burns and even Christian Wilkins who seems to be climbing a lot of teams draft yeah. boards Cleland Farrell is he is he somebody who you watch and you say okay he's he is actually the caliber of pass rusher people believe him to be or when you watch him on film are you seeing a little bit like I've noticed that he just takes advantage of the the opportunities that are available to him because of the other guys that he was playing next to uh, at, at Clemson, and and I feel like if they, I, I don't doubt that he is a, a a an impact player, and that he would be a benefit to them at nineteen. I don't think that Cleveland Farrell at all would be a bad pick, but do you think he is he is capable athletically of playing an outside linebacker in a three four? Because I just I don't know if I like to try. I would like to try and jam him in that role. Yeah, and it's interesting. There's a few moving parts in that whole thing. Number one, the distinction between 3-4, 4-3. You're playing nickel most of the time, so you have to take in that into account. So it's not that big of a deal, but I would have him as a hand-in-the-dirt type guy, so I don't necessarily know if he's a fit. I think he's going to be a productive player. I think he's really polishing his hands. I think his footwork could use some more work. He's not the bendiest guy around the edge, but he knows how to set things up, so he's solid in that area. I mean, he's in the mid-20s for me. I think 19 is a bit high, but there's also the moving part that you have with Montez Sweat, who could also be available there for you at 19 because of the enlarged 
Right. Yeah. So he's got the enlarged heart. Now, that knocked Maurice Hurst down from a probable first round pick last year from Michigan all the way down to the fifth round when the when the Oakland Raiders finally picked him up. But the difference between it is he was not allowed to participate in the combine drills. Montez Sweat was, mm. from my understanding, from what I've read with Sweat, it's a matter of keeping a defibrillator around, which is already a, a practice that they have in the NFL with all of the teams. You just have to make it more, make sure that it's readily available force what if need be but like if something bad were to happen obviously that's that's terrible you never wish that on anybody and some teams are concerned about that and said that they quote unquote have them off their board now we also heard that Leighton Vanderesh was quote unquote off a lot of boards too he still right. went to the Dallas Cowboys at pick 19 so that's an interesting way to correlate those two but if sweat starts to fall you may see Cleveland Farrell start to rise up because of that position and, and I see a lot of the top 22 being offensive line and defensive line. So I think there's going to be a run on both. I think Cleveland Farrell is okay at 19. I don't love the fit. I think Montez Sweat with his athletic profile, which is really, really special, I think that would be more of a fit. That would be more exciting to me, even though on my board I have Farrell above him. We always have to uh, understand that when we're doing these boards, we're doing it kind of universally, and there are situations where you can advocate another guy before a guy that you have ranked you know, uh, lower. I just can't. I can't imagine them getting so lucky uh, as as to have Harold Landry fall to them in the second round a year ago, be able to get Rashawn Evans at, through through a trade up in the first round, and then lucking into Montez Sweat. Even even because I I look at this and I I regard it as as we should anything that we hear this time of year. This is this is information that's coming out Monday of the draft week uh, for a reason. Yeah. People are people. This is the <laughs> proliferation of of these kind of stories for the purposes of tanking people's draft stock uh, by teams to try and get them you know later in the round than they might otherwise be available trafficking in and unfortunately for these for these young men who are going to be picked on thursday or in any round yeah. uh, you know trafficking on their imperfections um and to try and and, tra- and to do harm to them financially uh in a way that just yeah. kind of feels gross but if you end up getting montez sweat at 19 because of it uh, I, don't, I don't know if anybody's that upset <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the same thing that we saw with uh, Dalvin Cook. You know, I, I heard whisperings that it, it was Leonard Fournette's agent maybe putting out some stuff about Dalvin Cook and, you know, his friends and his entourage and all this stuff. And Dalvin Cook ends up sliding and Leonard Fournette goes up really high. So one agent outworked the other one. And it's just kind of the shady business that is the NFL. And let's be real, the NFL draft is decadent and depraved. So that stuff definitely happens. So it'll be interesting to be able to finally suss out what was smoke, what was fire. I mean, I'm seeing people now back off Kyler Murray at number one to the Cardinals and their confidence levels are going down. I don't know what to believe at this point, but yeah, to your point, Harold Landry falling to you guys in a second was absurd. I was doing a, a, a live feed for uh, Bleeding Green Nation at the time. We were doing Facebook Live for that. Mm. And I was losing my mind because I thought every time somebody traded up, I'm like, oh, well, here comes Harold Landry because, you know, they got a needed edge and, and he's the guy. He was a first-round talent for me. He was easy to see. Crazy, freakishly athletic on tape. So, yeah, if you get both those guys and then have both guys that slid to you when they shouldn't have as your edge rushers on those cheap rookie contracts, that would be absolutely insane. And, and you mentioned Christian Wilkins. He's starting to get a lot of hype. People love his character. They think he's high floor. Like some of the best football characters slash work ethic combination that you're going to get, going to get some interior pass rush. He could go before 19. He's been a popular pick for the Eagles at 25. I don't even think he's going to be there, so you might have to move up. But yeah, dude, if those pass rushers start to fall, it's going to be very interesting around 17, 18, 19 to see who moves up or tries to move up in front of you guys because you guys will definitely be eyeing them. 
What has been your favorite debate of this draft season thus far as we get closer? None of them. None of them. They're all. <laughs> God, I love you, Mike. I swear to God, I do. <laughs> I think all the, all the hullabaloo about DK Metcalf's three cone is stupid. Uh, you could see on a film he was always going to have a little extra step in his comeback routes and the hard angle cuts, but people don't know how to differentiate between hard angle cuts and vertical cuts. So there's that. I mean, there's the 26 playbook at Ole Miss that nobody takes into account as to why he would only run a certain number of routes. DeMarcus Lodge on the other side wasn't running a fuller route tree than him. A.J. Brown really just added option routes and really had just struggles on the outside as well. So that part was weird. And then people, the same people that shout that love Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Butler looked at the three cone and said, no, f- this, I'm out of here. He didn't even run it. So if he's not getting the same criticism. Maybe he was smarter for not running it because he knew he was going to be a little bit slower at it. But if you look at D.K. Metcalf, all these people are freaking out against these guys that, that struggle versus contact and they run in the four threes. He's 6'4 and running the four threes. If your wide receiver coach can't make that work and clean up some of the little technical aspects that allow him to open his hips and, and take some of those hard angle cuts a little bit better, your wide receiver coach should be fired. He should be gone. If you can't make that work, I don't know what you're doing. So that's been a stupid, frustrating debate, uh, mostly from the dynasty nerds. But, you know, they don't matter. So it's whatever. Quote, Ben Solak is a savant. Michael Kist is great, too. But I also think he might be a low-key alcoholic. End quote. That is my favorite (laughs) Reddit comment. (laughs) I swear to God. I just just pulled up your Twitter to get you out of here. And I read that at the top. I'm like, that's it's perfect. (laughs) It's perfect. Yo, like woke is is like searching your name on Reddit. Forget Twitter. Like I get a bunch of like Russian dart players and stuff like that when I search my name on Twitter. Search your name on Reddit and see what people are really saying about you, and you just come across gems like that. Like that guy's on to something, and it's not low key, brother. It's I'm drinking right now. It's totally fine though. I'm a functioning alcoholic. It no no one. I hope my boss isn't listening. It's totally fine. <laughs> I can smell I can smell the booze <laughs> through the microphone a thousand miles away. He is Michael Kist at Michael. <laughs> Kist NFL on Twitter, BGN Radio, Bleeding Green Nation, the Kist and Solak Show, the Scout Academy. You can find my man anywhere there is football conversation to be had, but don't you f***ing dare come to him with your draft debates because this is about to be wrapped up here in Nashville once we get the first round underway on Thursday. Mike, I appreciate you stopping by, man. I cannot tell you how much I enjoy our conversations. Uh, we'll continue to have them once this draft is finally concluded here in Nashville, and uh, I, you know, I always enjoy our time together. My brother from another mother. It was good to let my metaphorical hair down on this show here. I appreciate it, man. God knows it's <laughs> metaphorical because, brother, you ain't got nothing left. <laughs> hey, don't worry about it, man. It's cool. The ladies dig it. <laughs> man, I got to tell you guys, that's that's one of my favorite shows. Like, honestly, normally I don't like to just pack podcasts full of interviews. Like, you guys are coming. Uh, well, I, I would think you guys are coming for to hear me talk about your favorite team uh, because the Tennessee Titans are somebody who I cover on an on everyday basis. But now that we're branching out, um, the Titans will still be the main focus, but we will be uh, going all over local sports. But this is this is an important week to hear from uh, different perspectives on the narratives, on the analysis, on the people who have been through this process before, like Rashawn, and he was so great uh, and and tolerated our looks like game that I. I very much enjoy. Um, so hopefully you guys got as much out of that as I did. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed our two draft week pods. We will be back on Sunday 
with a bonus pod uh, recapping the NFL draft after all the picks have been made and we can sit down. We'll have heard from John Robinson and Mike Vrabel at that point. Uh, and my, myself and one of my good friends, Madison Blevins, over at 104.5 The Zone, we will sit down and we will recap the draft for the Titans in its entirety. And that will be coming to your feeds sometime between Sunday evening and Monday morning. So... That's going to do it for us today here on the 615 Sessions. Many thanks to our guests, Travis Haney, Rashawn Evans, Michael Kist, and Corey Curtis. If you ha- if you want to check out any of the other, other interviews that we have done, make sure that you are rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the pod. Uh, you can find all our previous interviews in the archives there. Thanks to Austin and Zach who make this possible. Presented by A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Make sure you're checking out their live Facebook and Periscope streaming show. Weekdays, 8 a.m. is when they start. Of course, my A to Z Sports primetime live show will begin in July. But make sure you are liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter and Instagram as well. That being said, I'm Buck Rising reminding you to stay hot, Nashville. We'll talk to you Sunday right here on the 615 Session, presented by A to Z Sports.